very glad to be doing this again. I have been conscious that I have not diarised uh, for well over a week. Um, that's not strictly true. I have, I have been doing a little bit of journaling. I explained to a friend why journaling is useful, using the analogy uh, that if you've got a difficult maths problem, you think nothing of writing it down to help sort it out. It doesn't make the problem easier, um, but somehow putting it on paper or externalizing it seems to provide some kind of perspective. You know, like if you say like 10 times 12, okay, 120. But if you say 132 multiplied by 400, it's like, okay, well, if I just have a little bit of a record of where things are on paper, um, or if I have someone, you know, or therapy is the same, I suppose, you know, if you have someone who you are, um, you know, offloading to, to kind of pick up a bit of that bandwidth, uh, problems become easier to solve. So I have done a little bit of that. Sometimes, I mean, I've <laughs> we are now in um, like four days before Christmas, and um, I have an email thread by my accountant uh, going back from March saying, this year, definitely, let's say I'll get you all the stuff for the tax return by July. Um, and then a further reminder in October going, yeah, well, this is the month where it's going to happen. Obviously, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely determined to not um, start the new year with not having done my uh, self-employed tax return or at least you know, done all the bookkeeping myself. And so um, I wrote a journal <laughs> journal entry yesterday uh, saying I have absolutely no excuse to do 15 minutes towards the um, towards the tax return. And that was my way of uh, thinking, well, if I start by doing 15 minutes, I'll probably end up doing more. No, no, did 15 minutes. I <laughs> did. But somehow yesterday, the day just went. I mean, I, I, I trained in the morning, so I'm, st I'm still in this Muay Thai boot camp. You might even be able to hear people punching each other. Today, I've not trained because I overslept today. No, I didn't oversleep. I slept. Um, and then I was going to come and do the four o'clock one. Uh, but then I kind of got back about 3.30 and somehow wasn't feeling very motivated. Also, I was kind of still aching a bit. And I thought, no, nah, I want to definitely do it tomorrow. So um, I was like, right, well, I'll just sort myself out, have a shower and go out, go into town. Uh, I need to go pick up my debit card uh, because I brought out the wrong debit card with me. So I got a new one. DHL'd out by Monzo, so that's been sent to a friend's shop. So I've got just a couple of errands, and I was going to go and sit and do some stuff on my laptop. Um, and uh, then just when I was about to leave, there was an absolutely torrential downpour. I mean, you know, the um, the heavens opened. Right, loads of rain. Um, and in order to leave here, I have to, like, moped down a little mud track. Um, so I thought, well, that's yeah, that's not the vibe. So somewhat trapped in my room. If I leave, I'm I'm confronted by a bunch of people doing training that I probably should be doing. Um so uh, so that that gave me a, a good impetus to uh to do this. So, where are we at? What are the what are the threads that that um that I thought I've just opened? What I should be doing, of course, is doing this with a notepad and pen. Just jotting down the little things that I've spoken about and little ideas that I've had. Uh, alas, um I stubbornly refuse to take my own advice. I had to do a bit of a visa run. Technically, apparently you can go to an immigration office and pay some money. Basically, you get a 30-day visa waiver. Actually, one of the things which um, people who live or tra who travel a lot or who live abroad love to say um, is, 
there's no such thing as a tourist visa. People on like Reddit forums talking about how to stay here for a long time. They go, I came here on a 30-day tourist visa. And there's always some prick going, mm, there is no such thing as a tourist visa. What you mean is you came here on a visa exemption. Um, and, yeah, technically they're right. So you, you come in uh, on, a, on a visa exemption, uh, 30 days, British passport holders. And then uh, some people just go to a land border, cross and come back. Um, some people fly out. But you can apparently go to the immigration office, pay some money and, uh, and, and renew it once. But I wanted to go back to KL anyway. Uh, I'd spent 18 months living there during the pandemic. Uh, and it was it was a, it was a you know nice opportunity to go and catch up with friends, um, meet some people that I'd not spoken to for a while, some old business mentors, old friends. It was actually a very very nice trip. Um, first time I went back without seeing my ex, which is a very good thing. And um, so anyway, so I went and go and did, did this this visa run, which uh, I ended up going there for three nights. And that was good. And so, um, kind of came back here and made sure that, like, right, first day when I'm back, I'm definitely training. And this week, I've, um, you know, somewhat managed to do so. Anyway, this was the week where I thought, oh, the tax return's happening. It just has to happen. Basically, I'm going through my bank statement and working out whether any transaction which I've made is legitimately uh, claimable or rather offsetable against income tax. And uh, the tax year that we're dealing with now is 2022, 2023. That's right, yeah. And um, it was the year that I kind of started doing circuit gigs again properly um, and also ran the festival. Um, so, you know, through ran all the festival shows through me as a self-employed individual rather than through a company. So, you know, I paid loads of acts and I need to offset that. So there's quite a lot. There's like well over a thousand... Um, transactions from my credit card alone that I need to go through. So it does just take forever. But um, yes, journal down. You could just get 15 minutes done. Just do 15 minutes. Did I do 15 minutes? I did 15 minutes, then I stopped. Um, did it in a really nice cafe that had an absolutely Moorish chocolate tart. Um, whenever people are hearing that I'm here in Thailand doing Muay Thai, I am doing Muay Thai, and it is making me stronger, and it is making me fitter. I'm breathing better, and I feel... Uh, my muscles growing. Have I lost weight? My t-shirts fit less well. That is for two reasons. One, I'm getting my laundry done, and they do seem to um, dry it to within an inch of its life. Um, so, so definitely, the clothes are shrinking, no doubt about it. Um, but also, I um, continue to marvel and indulge uh, at the fact that I can get duck and chicken on rice for one pound fifty, or um, you know, this most exquisite caramel and chocolate tart that I had last night while I opened my laptop at 9pm in a coffee shop um, absolutely determined to do the coffee shop was open until midnight I could have done three hours but I did, did my 15 minutes that I promised myself did not get in the zone uh, and then started to watch uh, started to watch uh, the rest is politics on a YouTube video which is not a good use of my time uh, so there's <laughs> I um, I told my therapist I'd not spoken to in about three months that I was here, and she went, "You've shown no interest in doing boxing before." I said, "No, I haven't." And she said, "Why are you there?" I said, "Well, it's just something to do, isn't it?" Um, anyway, plan tomorrow is do some more training. The training uh is, 
I, people, I, I've kind of learned that the way that these boxing gyms train is pretty standardized across lots across all the gyms. Um, there doesn't seem to be that much variation from gym to gym. If you're interested in how it works, it's very chill. Like most of these gyms in Thailand, if you're just here on holiday and you want to just try doing boxing for an hour, you literally can just rock up, find a trainer, pay them something between, depending on where you are, 600 to 1,500 baht. So maybe, you know, call it 20 pounds. Um, and they will do a private hour session with you where they teach you how to stand um, and mainly do things like punch bags with you. Um, but the group sessions are normally two to two and a half hours long. If you stay in accommodation that is connected to the uh, training camp, like I'm doing, the group sessions are normally always included, Monday and afternoon. There isn't really an expectation that you do it twice a day. I know some people do occasionally, but I, I mean, I'm just absolutely nowhere near fit enough to do that. Um, I, <laughs> I, I know I need the 24 hours for my muscles to recover because, I mean, you know, you, you, you're punching things and kicking things, um, and it does hurt. So uh, I think some people will do twice a day. But basically, you, you're not actually boxing for the whole two hours. You'll normally spend 10 minutes uh, doing skipping and then another 10 or 15 minutes doing some kind of very, very light cardio, kind of jogging and a bit of flexibility and stretching. Uh, and then you will do uh, shadow boxing, which is where you kind of do the moves that you've learned, but without pads on and without gloves on. And often without a partner, so you just, you know, um, do, you know, practice your stance and practice your um, punches. And if you're absolutely brand new, then normally someone will be there uh, showing you what to do. And then uh, then you put your, your, your gloves on and your pads on, uh, and then you'll do normally three or four rounds of pad work. And if there aren't enough trainers to go around, then you'll do some of it on... Um, on a punching bag, and then you know the, the little swap, but that's the most intensive part. That's the part where, um, oh my goodness me, it's just it's so exhausting because uh, <laughs> they just you know they'll just say like you know knee and then jab and then double and then four punches and then kick and then another kick and then another kick to the other side, and um, yeah, those those by the time you get to actually, I find the second of the three rounds is the hardest. Um, the third one, you're like, well, it's the last one. So, um, you know, you just go for it. The second one, you get absolutely exhausted. And also, don't forget, you're doing this in very, 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 very hot weather with no fans, no air conditioning. Um, so between each um, of these sessions, I'm normally drinking a whole 500 milliliters of water. Uh, well, another insight, I've been drinking mineral water rather than um, purified water. Uh, seems to rehydrate Seems to rehydrate me more. And... Um, and so once you've done once you've done the uh the kind of shadow boxing then you'll put shin pads on and you will then partner up and do what they call sparring which is like you do box each other but you don't intend to hurt each other um you know like if you do a move which would normally take someone down cuz you're kicking their shin you don't actually go all the way um and you certainly don't like punch them but you can kind of you know kick them a bit and because you're wearing shin pads you can legitimately block a kick um and often with that they will then teach like how the um like how different fighting techniques work and this is really interesting because this gets into like the psychology of fighting and also um how to like strategically uh 
use your body and not get tired. And something which I found very interesting is how a lot of what the pro fighters seem to be worried about is like energy conservation and um, how to throw a kick using, you know, creating the most amount of impact but using the least amount of energy. Uh, and all all that stuff I, I do find quite interesting. Um, a lot of it is also to do with like how you're standing, how your weight is distributed. You know, you don't want to throw a punch and then expose yourself in such a way that your opponent can knock you over because you're non-balanced or something. I do find all this very interesting. Um, but yeah, go, going back to what my therapist said, she was like, you've got no interest in this. I mean, I'm, just because I don't have an interest in it doesn't mean I'm not interested. I think it's a generally true for a lot of things that I like. I am kind of indifferent to this. Like, I'm not really getting into it. Um, I've started to watch a couple of fights on YouTube and you know, I've, I've started to kind of dabble in the content, but this definitely isn't my thing. Um, but I do think I'm generally quite... G I think one of the traits about myself that I like is that I, I've learned to kind of get into this unironically. Like, I think if we were doing something like this at school and I knew I wouldn't be very good at it, I'd want to subvert it, right? Or I'd want to kind of find a way to undermine it or to kind of convince myself that it's not important or it's stupid. And uh, that's not good. So I'm quite pleased that, you know, for some people here, this is like the most important thing they do. You know, like they save up all year and come and train in Thailand for two months because it's really important to them. Or like there's f former actual boxers, you know, that have been, that have boxed a different style that have come to learn a new method. Or, you know, some people it's like their favorite thing in the world. For me, this absolutely is not. I can take this or leave it. But I am pleased that I'm, you know, I'm like, treating the coaches with respect and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Let me just brag about that. I'm, I'm actually teaching people with, I'm treating people with respect. No, but you know, I'm, I'm like, I really am. The way that I'm treating them with respect is I'm actually legitimately trying to learn. And it must be frustrating for them to have someone, you know, not actually put the work in, right? That like if they're teaching the same thing again and again, it must get pretty frustrating. So I really am trying to like, if they've taught me something, I'm trying very hard to, um, you know, to, to put it into action. So then I can build on it. Um, although the, the the guy that runs this uh, place is an Italian guy who, um, he's got the energy of, of like one of these comics who opens up a comedy club. And I think that there's, a, there's a, a genuine dignity in someone that's graduated from comedy and starts to do things like promotion or being an agent or uh, production or running a club. Like I sincerely admire these people because if comedy is no longer serving them um you know i think it's easy to say well this is an admission that they were never good enough or admission they didn't try hard enough sometimes it just doesn't serve you because you've got other priorities and blah 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 so i can think of a few people who have like made the transition from being an act uh and and, and in some cases like a really good act um to being in production and uh th there's something very dignified about that um, but there's also some people who can't can't let go of the fact that they are an act, or rather, more accurately, were an act. And it is it's a little bit tragic because you know the the focus definitely changes when you're more concerned about you know watching how much money is going behind the bar, or when you've you know when you've really got a um, you know I, I I'm saying this as someone who does do some production right, like I've got a production company. And we do put on shows. Um, but definitely in terms of, um, you know, I don't think the production necessarily undermines 
my act. Like I'll make sure that when it comes to showtime, my only responsibility is the same as any other comedian, ideally. Obviously, that's not always true. I am there to fight fires and whatever. But um, certainly from the audience point of view, that they shouldn't, they shouldn't have any inkling that a show that I'm on, um, I've necessarily had a hand in, in booking. And I'll always make sure that, you know, we do a show called Five Headliners for £10 or Five Headliners for $25 um, in Australia. And that is five headline-level comedians doing their best 10 minutes. And I do kind of have a promise with myself and my team that I can't be the worst act on the bill. You know, we uh, we I have to be justified in, in being on there. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of the tension of... You know, and I, and I, I definitely remember in the early days promoting comedy shows in Japan while also being an MC and getting it hopelessly wrong. You know, I mean, I remember the first time that we had a... We had a, uh, we were running our own bar, and I was just I kept kind of topping up my own beer out of nervousness, and you know just did a hideous job. Um, on the other hand, you know I I say in my MC workshop that people who uh, MC their own comedy club are often the best MCs because they genuinely care about the audience experience. So obviously look, it's compatible, but th- there are definitely some people who work in comedy who ninety five percent of their income um, or their attention um, is production or promotion or something adjacent to that um and their act necessarily becomes stagnant um they're not growing as an act and um and that's fine because you know they can they can make the judgment themselves that if they if their act grows by 15 percent, that has no material impact on themselves their family or their finances but if their revenue for their comedy club would increase by 15 percent, then that would have a material impact so it's all very very um you know, rational, justifiable. Anyway, the guy that owns this um, boxing stadium, I get the sense he's in very good shape and he's obviously very good at boxing, but he is in retirement trajectory. Like, you know, he is, he's on the posters for all for, for the fights in the same way that it's pretty obvious when the owner of a comedy club is putting them s- themselves on a poster. Um, and, you know, he's he's nice. And, and obviously, like, you know, he, he does enjoy teaching and he is enthusiastic about boxing. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to see people in this transitionary phase. And one of the kindest things I think you can do to yourself is to conclusively let go. And, you know, and, you, and you'll see the positive trajectory in saying, I've graduated from that thing. I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer keeping a hand in it. And I think that's true for lots of industries, even professional ones. Um, you know, you see people who uh, work as, you know, designers or coders and then end up becoming management level. And, you know, they still need to kind of stay curious and stay interested, but they're not in the trenches. And th- th- there's kind of a dignity in saying, "Well, I don't design. I don't do that anymore." Um, and not, and they're not feeling guilty when you haven't kept up with the latest changes to the software and keyboard shortcuts or whatever. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of the same, I suppose, with law. That I was really, I was really into law. You know, I did all my degrees, and um, you know, for a long time had knowing a lot about law as part of my personality. And I have still done the occasional bit of writing and blah 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 about law. But I think it's important to go. Well, I, you know, I'm just not. Um, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't have my finger on the pulse. The laws changed in the ten years since I studied it formally, and unless I put the time in 
to really understand the landscape for a certain thing, which I do occasionally, like when I wrote the article on copyright law and comedy, um, you know, the door's closed. I think there's 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 a dignity about that. Anyway, he um he's quite a matter of fact guy. And obviously what he's not made peace with is that his business model is idiots like me turning up for a month and paying the cost is about six hundred pounds to stay and to train for the month. So it's not it's not a huge amount of money. Um but it's it's also um you know when when you have you know forty people a month doing it, then I suppose that is real money. Um, but I don't think he's quite made peace with the fact that it is people like me that's really paying the bills. Um, and um, he loves training the professionals or the people that are really really good, and he goes into the ring with them. But then occasionally he does have to slum it with us lot. Slum it? That's not a word. Slum it and uh, slog it. What was I? What was I going for? I knew that mouth movement of shla fitted how he feels and um so we were doing some y yesterday morning there was only about four or five people training or maybe there were six or seven but by the end there was only four left and um we were doing some kind of sparring thing and it was one of the Thai trainers that was training us and he was kind of going around and seeing what we were doing and he was just going oh, this is hopeless he went right everyone come and stand in line and the four people were me this Peruvian girl who was very enthusiastic and not that good, um, you know, just didn't really, like, wasn't really following instructions, um, hadn't yet got the muscle memory. And then two French guys who were, like, older, I'd say at least f late 40s, probably 50s, but, like, really strong and clearly had done loads of boxing before, but, like, their stance was different. You know, whatever they were doing was wrong. And, in fact, one... The French, one of the French guys barely spoke a word of English. And so what happened is he got us to all stand. And he was like, oh, your stance is wrong. He went, come and stand in a line. So we all stood in a line. And he told us where to put our left foot. And he told us where to put our right foot. And he told us how to do a, you know, he, he, he actually, it was quite useful because none of the trainers had really done this because they didn't really have the English to communicate it. So he told me, he told us exactly where our feet should be and where the weight distribution should be. And when we take a punch, how our body should move. And, um, he was just getting so frustrated. Like the the old one of the older French guys just didn't really understand what he was saying. He was following his instruction. And so when the trainer was telling him to throw a punch, he was telling him to take a small step forward. Right? He was like, do a little step, do a little step, do a little step. And um and this guy just wasn't doing that. He just kept following every other movement, but not the little step. Um so I cheekily intervened, thinking, <laughs> my time to shine. Said to the French guy, il faut un petit pas. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but, but that, that whole interaction just really, really frustrated. And he could see that, you know, me having to intervene was further evidence that he'd slightly lost control. And then he, he, he said to me, he said, right, okay, show me your punch. And then I th showed him the punch in slow motion. And he went, no. Then I said, is that right? And <laughs> he just goes... Of course not. Of course it's not right. Like, like what a what an absolutely insane proposition that I might even dare to think that this might have been good. Uh, he goes, no, of course it wasn't right. Um, and I was getting so many of the fundamentals wrong. The main thing was my weight distribution. I mean, obviously I've got quite a lot of weight to distribute, but I don't think he wanted me to make that point. Uh, but, you know, things like 
when you're standing, uh, if you're right-handed, your left foot is going in front, and your right foot is behind, and your right foot is at a slight angle, and it hadn't quite occurred to me that most of the weight is supposed to be on the back foot. Um, you, you think that you're being smart by evenly distributing your weight, but even when you lean forward and throw a punch, it's, it shouldn't be, a, you know, 100% of your weight on the front foot. So all that you've just got to learn, and, you know, things like how high your arms are when you're, you know, because you put both of your gloves in front of your face and your elbows kind of need to be in rather than up. Um, and apparently in other boxing styles, you don't do that. Sometimes you want to go wider. Um, but one th one kind of universalizable lesson uh, that he did give, I, mean, I, I actually do think he's a good teacher, um, and I, I don't mean to sound too kind of critical of him, that he's in this transitionary period of, you know, being a fighter to being a teacher. Because um, he is, a, he's a, I think he is a good teacher, even though he's not that friendly. Um, he, uh, and he needs to be, right? Like, you know, like his business relies on people feeling good about what they're doing rather than um, actually being good at boxing. Uh, but one universalizable lesson he gave is I was really concentrating on like there was this move, this defensive move where like they would kick, you'd block, they'd kick again, you'd grab their leg, take their leg to the other side, push them off balance and then swing and take a kick. Right. And that's how you win a fight. Obviously I'm never winning a fight. Um, but anyway, so I was doing that and I was like, I was really thinking through every single motion and um, my body was obviously quite tense. And he said, look, he said, just, he said, you really, he said, you must relax. He says, like, you know, if you're learning a dance, um, you know, you can't learn a dance by thinking and being stiff. He said, you know, d don't care about how strong your punches are. Um, you know, don't even care too much about the movement. Just, just absolutely relax. Just learn to do this while your body is in a, is in a relaxed state. And, and I do, obviously it's a pretty obvious bit of advice to give, but it's the kind of thing which you do need to be reminded of in the moment. Um, because you, you just don't realize how much your body clams up and kind of goes into defensive mode. And that is what happens. You know, you're, you, there's just this huge amount of kind of tension everywhere. And as you're, mind is kind of focusing more and more and more um more and more things kind of happen by default whereas if you if you kind of remind yourself and ground yourself in everything is fluid everything is flexible everything is you know everything is is is, is good and not worrying about the moves but kind of taking a, a step back um and seeing the entire sequence in one frame rather than frame by frame, you do end up doing better. Uh, and so that, that was quite good advice. Um, it's fu it's funny, I, I um, yeah, I am, in, I am enjoying it. And I think I'm obviously taking for granted the fact that I can wake up in the morning and go and train. And I still don't want to, you know, I still, um, I think as I am setting an alarm generally, although I'm, yeah, I mean the the days when I ha when I haven't been the day before, I have set an alarm. I generally want to live a life where I never use an alarm, uh, but I have set an alarm for eight a.m. to be, and you have to be there for about eight twenty-five. Um, but I don't like the idea of waking up and just <laughs> straight away standing there. So I want at least twenty minutes to adjust, and I do snooze till ten past eight. And I really think, oh, maybe I could just sleep. You know, I still haven't had a day where I'm absolutely 
completely excited and motivated about going. Um, and maybe that will never come. Um, and maybe that's what everyone feels. Um, so, you know, the, I suppose the trick is to not not expect that there's ever going to be a day where I'm bouncing out of bed and running uh, to this uh, stadium. But what I have done in staying here is shortened, literally shortened the journey. So, you know, they, they say that if you want to start running, the best thing to do is put on running clothes, put on running shoes. Um, I've done that and still not gone, not gone running. But basically, I've given my, I literally opened my door and you might even be able to hear, I don't know, you might even be able to hear the training going on right now, but from my window now, I can see the training. I open my door and I am literally there. Um, the uh, the girl who I mentioned, she didn't even bring a water bottle. But I've got a fridge in my room for the water bottle. So and I could go back within 30 seconds and go and get her a water bottle. That's how close it is. Um, and so what I've done is I've basically given myself no excuse. Um, I'm up. I'm there. Also, it's like you don't even need to. You don't even need to put put shoes on. You know, like I don't even need to go. Oh, fuck, oh got to put running shoes on and tie laces. That's a nightmare. I literally put on a t-shirt, put on a pair of shorts, take my water bottle, go out in flip flops, and um, and then just start skipping. And once you start skipping, it's like, well, might as well, might as well do another two hours of this. 